My name is Mate Rigo and I'm here today with Tomás Freyti, who just retired from being a senior research fellow at the Institute of Economics uh, at the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. Uh, previously, uh, he was a guest lecturer at Corvinus University, Ohio State University and Bologna University and worked for the Economic and Market Research Institute and the Institute of World Economy in Budapest. And um, from 1989 till 1994, right, he was also an educational director at the Democratic League of Free Labor Unions um, in Hungary. So this is the first, what is hoped to be a series of conversations about the legacy of 1989. And um, uh, Tomás Réti uh, is both uh, a researcher on 1989 is teaching a course on the impact of economic transitions in East Central Europe. But in a way, uh, you were also an actor in 1989, uh, uh, an actor in history, right? So, um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, let me start with sort of an academic question of overview. What were, you know, what, were, what was the impact of 1989 or the economic changes precipitated by 1989 on the former um, uh, communist states of Eastern Europe? Well, it, it, it came suddenly and surprisingly, and uh, so these changes was uh, un, unexpected changes. Uh, I remember that um, in 87, I was a fellow at the Woodrow Wilson Center in Washington, D.C., and uh, the American ambassador to, Bush, to Budapest mm -hmm. came and he gave a lecture and he was uh, uh, talking about uh, the forthcoming and uh, uh, future changes and he said that maybe Hungary could become a kind of Finland. So it's a kind of uh, democratic, uh, neutral uh, uh, market economy but uh, he, we, we didn't expect such a, such a sudden quick change which occurred in 89-1990. It was a very fortunate period because uh, uh, looking backward we know that one very important issue uh, which determined these changes was the low world market oil prices. Mm -hmm. Uh, which meant that the Soviet Union, the Soviet economy weakened a lot mm -hmm. and uh, he couldn't anymore subsidize and support the former uh, East Central European satellites. Uh, so uh, Gorbachev, his policy uh, changed uh, in relation to Central Eastern Europe and he led these countries to go on their own way. So it was something uh, uh, Un, uh, incredible and uh, no major international organization expected such a dramatic change. It started in late, uh, in, in mid-89 and by 1990 we had the political uh, mm -hmm. elections. Well, the other question is whether how far these changes were deep enough, whether they were bringing that result what we expected. That time we were full of uh, illusions and naivety. And after 25, more than 25 years uh, uh, in Central Eastern Europe, there is a kind of different way of thinking, a kind of disillusionment and a kind of uh, 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 new economic systems are being uh, uh, 
constructed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you mentioned the oil price and that's something really interesting for me and you also mentioned that the process of change was unforeseen so is it was it something looking back that 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 people realized that that you know the uh, that that the cause of 1989 was an economic cause that is the oil price or is it something we know now I think we know now but uh, you know my my friends uh, uh, most of the people were not aware of the fact that the Soviet time system was unsustainable. Mm -hmm. They were unaware. Unaware. Even uh, economists. Uh, well, we didn't know how, how, how long it will last mm -hmm. because we knew that the communist parties are strong, they had the military force, the police, so there were no, no not any sign that we, we knew that there was a stagnation, a recession, shortage, uh, foreign indebtedness, all this, but uh, we didn't expect that this will uh, lead to such a major uh, political and economic change. And even uh, people could ask that why we should change the socialist system. Socialist system is good. Mm -hmm. uh, it is providing jobs, low inflation, and so on. Uh, there was uh, poverty, but uh, the social inequality was not that large. And uh, when the changes came, uh, people just realized that something is happened over their head, and they mm -hmm. they tried to understand and follow the changes and realize that now, uh, of course, you know, um, there was a hope and a wish that we wanted to be similar to Austria and Germany. Mm -hmm. We wanted to consume the same goods, the same level of services, the same, the same social well-being. But how far the economic crisis was deep mm -hmm. in Eastern Europe, this was something uh, unknown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and therefore when. Uh, Janusz Kornai, the famous Hungarian economist, were late, much later writing uh, an article about the transformation recession. This was a very nicely uh, elaborated p uh, article about uh, the early years, early 1990s, output decline, high unemployment and high inflation. Mm -hmm. Why this was inevitable? Because it was somehow structural problems uh, and uh, and it showed that uh, the the Soviet time system couldn't be financed and 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 uh, and and maintained. And there was a joke that time mm -hmm. that how long uh, uh, the Soviet uh, type system will last. And the answer was as far as the New York City Bank was willing to finance it. <laughs> so it was growingly uh, being backed by Western money. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hungary, in this sense, was in per capita, uh, the, uh, the, it had the highest per capita foreign debt. Poland was also in a disastrous uh, situation. Romania repaid the foreign debt, but with a very heavy social and economic cost. So it's... Uh, you know, you had to be an expert on this field to to understand the the depths of the changes, and even that uh, time, uh, you, you couldn't know that uh, what will be the the direction of the changes. Uh, 
whether the Soviet Union uh, was willing to give up this region or not, you should know that uh, the Soviet Union collapsed only in 1991, yes. one, more than uh, one year after the changes in, in, in Central Europe. And also you didn't know that uh, what will be the direction of the economy because there was no guidebook, textbook to, to, develop, to make this transition back from a state-owned economy into a market time system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good that you mentioned it because I wanted to ask about, you know, schools of economic thought in Hungary. But, you know, if you want, we can talk about East Central Europe that that inform these changes, uh, namely reform economists in Hungary. And to what extent were they influential or to what extent was what happened in the economic realm after 1989 in Hungary a result of past dependency? Well, uh, in, in Hungary, the economic schools are very strong and, uh, and in 87, there were uh, already uh, very good publications about the direction of possible change. Mm -hmm. But uh, we all, always knew the limits, the political limits of this change. And we, we were unaware of the fact how far this legacy is bad, mm -hmm. how far the, the Soviet type system is full of uh, structural imbalances uh, and how, how easy or, or, or difficult to change uh, an economy from the Soviet market to the Western market, mm -hmm. how easy it is to train people who, the, the morality of the people, you know, the institutions are very crucial in this sense. And we were not aware of the fact that there are long-term, long-lasting economic and economic history tendencies which uh, are very strong and, uh, and uh, you cannot change by just a political victory. Mm -hmm. Could you name a few that were sort of hindrances in this transition? Well, uh, you know, it's uh, the level of corruption, mm -hmm. the, the lack of trust in political systems, uh, the, the the working morality you know in in hungary uh, during hungary did the soviet time system fairly successfully mm -hmm. so but because uh, the common economy was combined with some kind of second economy but the second economy meant a kind of illegal economy and uh, in a capital, Western type capitalist system, this kind of illegality cannot be maintained. Mm -hmm. So you have to legalize. Mm -hmm. But people got accustomed to to make this under the table of negotiations and uh, and uh, how to how to how to make everything uh, white. Mm -hmm. It's it's something which uh, which is extremely difficult. And even today. This is a big problem. Mm -hmm. So this is something which is coming back and uh, and uh, and strongly. And then uh, you know it's uh, the social inequality, the the lack of social solidarity. Uh, you know we, we know in Hungarian history or that uh, this is a big problem that uh, those who are skillful and they are in good time in good places uh, and those who are uh, uh, just uh, uh, ordinary citizens, the gap, the social gap is can be widened very quickly, and uh, and 
and it is very hard to 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 follow that kind of uh, institution framework and well functioning market economy what is exact uh, existing in in uh, in western europe mm -hmm. so the western model somehow has been uh, biased in the east very easily mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it was uh, lack of regulations uh, tendency of monopoly power, tendency of uh, cartelization, mm -hmm. oligopoly theft. So uh, the old uh, sickness of Central Eastern Europe very easily undermined uh, that values which came with the change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mention it because if you read um, authors of the Western left, uh, such as David Oz, The Defeat of Solidarity. Obviously, they mention internal causes of why 1989 and the economic transition failed, but often sort of the, the elephant in the room is big international organizations such as the IMF, the World Bank, or, or you know, what you know, be, has become a catchword, neoliberalism. Yes, this is again a problem to, to victimize ourselves and to blame always the outside forces. Mm -hmm. Of course, these international organizations uh, didn't know uh, properly and didn't understand uh, the social network, the social uh, functioning of, of these countries. And uh, uh, the experts came from US and the West, those who were having some experience in Latin America, and this was a different field, a mm -hmm. different history, different social conditions. But uh, I think that the, the biggest part of the blame, if there is any blame for the changes, because some of the changes are very positive. I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that everything okay. is bad. Yeah, uh, Everything is bad. Uh, I think uh, uh, the current system uh, not to speak about the political regime of the current Hungarian government, but the current system is uh, is providing much more freedom, uh, opportunities, uh, uh, and uh, and the convergence to Western Europe slowly but continuously is happening. It is lasting much longer than we expected. Mm -hmm. So this is not a quick fix. Mm -hmm. It is not happening quickly. And we don't know whether it will happen any time. Some countries are more successful and they have a more continuous uh, catching up. Some countries like uh, Hungary is uh, more in an up and down uh, procedure. So who are the successful countries? Czech Republic? Uh, Czech Republic, Estonia. Estonia mm -hmm. is, is good. Uh, Poland is an interesting case because the economy is in a much better shape than the political system. Slovakia is uh, narrowing the gap with the Czech Republic. Uh, Romania is also providing the fastest economic growth in the region in the last years. So this is interesting and uh, they have a strong commitment to to, to Western, West European orientation. Uh, so they, they don't see so much backward, backward as Hungary is, is, is doing. Um, and then you have the, 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 the Slovenia, for instance, which uh, was the, the, the most developed country 
before 89, the first country to join the Eurozone in the region, and then because of social deficiencies went through several years of recession, but in the last uh, one, two years again Slovenia is, uh, is uh, started an economic recovery growing and uh, uh, certain economic indicators are better. So Slovenia is uh, having this problem that it was too developed, too advanced during the uh, one-party system and they they thought that they didn't have the need to make radical changes. But then when they joined the Eurozone, they, they were so heavily integrated financially and monetary with, with the Eurozone countries that, that all the structural imbalances came on, on the surface. Mm -hmm. Right. So would the Euro be a solution to the economic problems of you know, East Central Europe? What do you think about the introduction of the Euro that sort of well, Always on the agenda. I, I, I am for for the introduction, and I don't. I know that um, the Hungarian government is is uh, is against it. Uh, I have a fear that all the countries in Hungary will join the euro, and Hungary will be an island uh, <laughs> as a rock uh, in the euro eurozone sea. This is my uh -huh. uh, nightmare. Uh, uh, it's a political question, uh, political question in the sense that uh, you should give up that kind of uh, manipulation which the Hungarian central bank is doing, uh, with exchange rate and, uh, and all this uh, uh, money which they are investing in, in very obscure uh, projects. Uh, uh, if you look at the Eurozone, some countries are more successfully joined, like Estonia and Slovakia. Uh, Slovenia is, is an, um, a kind of negative example, but uh, the, uh, Slovenia is, is a very workaholic society, mm -hmm. much less corruption. And, and, uh, but uh, they are far away from Austria. You know, I, I just look at the the average wages in Austria, the average wage is more than twice is higher than in Slovenia mm -hmm. and three, four times higher than in the Czech Republic or, or, or Hungary. So the, the social gap is still so devastating and, uh, and uh, uh, it's very hard to see how this uh, income gap and social well-being gap can be narrowed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did it change between 1989 to, to the present? I mean, did it decrease? Well, yes, there is a convergence, but this convergence is going much slower than we expected. So, uh, Slovenia and the Czech Republic, now they are in per capita GDP, are on the terms of Portugal and Greece, but uh, others are, are far behind. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, there are certain hard economic facts which are important, but there are certain uh, so-called qualitative indicators which are equally important, and in these qualitative indicators, uh, Central Eastern Europe is much more behind than, than Western Europe. If you look at the, the, the 
uh, economic competitive index made by the World Economic Forum. You can see that Hungary is somewhere in the 60th mm -hmm. uh, place. Uh, Estonia is somewhere in the 20-something. And in certain uh, uh, field, mostly in the institutional field, Hungary is over, uh, is 130. So there is, uh, you know, these are the fine tuning of. It means corruption, transparency, trust in the system, trust in regulations, uh, trust in people. Uh, a kind of stability of of, of state regulation. Uh, you can liberalize and privatize quite easily, but then comes the question: <clears throat> How far uh, the, the 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 connection between the actors is working? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whether the gap is widening very fast, and then you have uh, this kind of. Uh, uh, social uh, distress and social dismay, which is leading to nationalism, populist tendencies uh, in, in certain countries, a kind of isolation, blaming the European Union, blaming uh, the, the liberal economists, which uh, is a kind of uh, uh, unproductive attitude on the side of the government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, going back to 1989, I, I wanted to ask you, how would you assess the different roles of the state, the political elite, and the new emerging businessmen, business elites, the former socialist entrepreneurs who transformed themselves mm -hmm. in, um, into capitalist entrepreneurs in the 1990s? I mean, who had the biggest, um, or what kind of different power positions these various actors had on, on economic changes and transitions? Well, um, you know, uh, one answer is that uh, uh, the, the, the method of privatization in the early year, years was different from country to country. Sure. In Hungary, because mostly of the high foreign uh, indebtedness, uh, there was a, a quick uh, opening up and uh, privatization to real owners and uh, foreign investors coming and uh, a big part of the foreign direct investment came to Hungary. and um, But in the Czech Czechoslovakia, there was a much more cautious policy, voucher privatization, uh, distributing assets uh, equally uh, to the public, uh, which uh, fairly uh, shortly turned out that this is not a good economic way of uh, ownership change. Uh, in Hungary, uh, we had, uh, as you, uh, we know, the, the problem of past dependence, mm -hmm. that uh, the economic reform started uh, in the mid-60s, and uh, there was a step back in the 70s. But in the mid-1980s, and in the, the last communist government in Hungary was very reform-market-oriented. And in many sense, and this is not easy to understand, this government was more socially more uh, coherent and consistent. Than you mean the, the gross government? Not, not the, the Nemet. The Nemet government. Nemet yeah. gov the Nemet government. They they had uh, 
a much more awareness of, of uh, economic relationships and economic terms. And then <coughs> uh, when the first uh, 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 non-communist government came to power, the Hungarian Democratic Forum, they had this uh, idea of uh, third way of development, uh, uh, combination of market with state, uh, and uh, and then uh, this is the time of this transformation recession in 94 95 hungary fell in this big problem of twin deficit uh, high external and high uh, internal deficit and then we had this uh, and shuani uh, package uh, which uh, uh, to consolidate the financial and monetary crisis so a lot of changes in a very short time, up and downs, and uh, in some countries, uh, like in, in the former Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia, also they went through this transformation crisis, second crisis in the late 1990s, but uh, the level of public indebtedness, the level of foreign indebtedness was much, much less than in Hungary. Hungary, in certain sense, uh, uh, and this is not the people, but uh, the, the, uh, lived beyond its means. And this uh, this came back in the 2000 again, mm -hmm. that uh, we had this high for, uh, public debt and high budget deficit during the Yuchan government. And then now still we are leading in this uh, uh, indebtedness, uh, uh, high foreign debt. Uh, so it it uh, it shows that. Uh, the governments are are trying to 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 buy social peace and uh, and uh, spend uh, over the the, the 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 economic fundamentals of of the economy uh, motorway building infrastructure projects uh, and then today we have this uh, huge uh, money coming from the heaven uh, uh, this eu money which is uh, providing 3-4% of the GDP and a big part of this is disappearing in private pockets. Uh, another part is not being spent for rational, needy, needy uh, uh, social uh, uh, projects. So Hungary had this kind of uh, uh, up and downs and, uh, and short-sightedness and not a kind of consistent, coherent uh, uh, economic policy. And this means that the economists, uh, uh, the real good economists, are not having that kind of economic uh, influence. Mm -hmm. uh, and the politicians uh, are more concerned with party politics and, uh, and keeping the power. And, uh, and uh, in some countries, you don't have this uh, this this kind of hectic economic uh, swift economic movements like uh, uh, even in Slovakia or even in Poland or or or, or Estonia, you had uh, a kind of more continuity, higher continuity of economic policy, and this helps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um. Yeah, one, that was the one thing. Sure.
So one last question to close, and again, returning to 1989, could you have envisioned alternative scenarios or could we could we envision alternative scenarios of, you know, economic and social shift and change in 1989 or the 1990s than what took place? Because you mentioned the last reform communist government, the NAMED government, a sort of one viable or usable past. Um, is that it or did I misunderstand it? Or can we envision other alternative options, how it could have gone better? As you mentioned, I was doing some labor union work and uh, in the labor union we, we, uh, we had some, again, illusions that uh, that kind of Scandinavian model with a lot of social negotiation, social contract, social market mm -hmm. economy can be introduced and uh, I just heard from my students this saying which I, I didn't that today there is uh, socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor mm -hmm. so it's socialism uh, for the rich and capitalism uh, for the poor okay uh, so this is a kind of exaggeration but uh, it somehow shows that uh, that uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, we, there was a kind of openness uh, in thinking, in discussion, in, in, in people relations, and, uh, and uh, we, we, we expected that uh, the, the development will, will go in a good direction. And we didn't expect such a big crisis in the early 1990s, and then this crisis management was uh, very strongly uh, uh, influencing uh, the economy and many people, a big part of the population became loser in mm -hmm. this transition and a smaller part, but a very uh, a significant part is becoming new rich. Yeah. So we have now a very significant uh, more, mostly younger generation in the 30s and 40s who are enjoying the, the, the benefits of this current system, the EU funds and, uh, and this kind of crony capitalism which was finally... So instead of having a kind of Scandinavian model, we were uh, moving more to a kind of clientelism, crony capitalism, um, which, uh, uh, you know, uh, economists didn't want, but uh, uh, the, this is coming from the level of underdevelopment and this kind of very bad legacy and somehow the past, uh, the, the, the mistakes of the past is coming back. Uh, and um, I'm not only speaking about Hungary. Sure. So it's, uh, so everything is, uh, so now uh, there is a kind of moment when Central Eastern Europe somehow its development and convergence uh, to, to the West somehow stopped. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, have, uh, we can see the rise of uh, nationalist, populist, uh, isolationist uh, uh, tendencies which uh, we didn't plan this, so mm -hmm. it is something which uh, which is coming, uh, 
and there are very strong forces which are benefiting from this nationalist and populist uh, trend. So uh, we don't uh, know that uh, that uh, whether uh, Central Eastern Europe can move more to a kind of uh, uh, socially uh, negotiated, consensus-seeking, uh, solidarity-seeking uh, society, or getting more and more to this kind of uh, white capitalism with a lot of poverty and uh, and a very significant enrichment of of of, of few people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, Tamash Vetti, thank you so much for the conversation. Okay.